not represent the views of Radio Free Brooklyn, its staff, or management. Thank you for listening and have a dope day. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How is everyone doing today? Well, here we are, another beautiful Sunday that the Lord has made. And of course, you know we're going to rejoice and be glad, right? So, this is the weekend right before the unofficial start of the summer. Can you guys believe it? Next weekend is Memorial Day, if I'm not mistaken. Let me look again. Yeah, next weekend is Memorial Day. Yes. So here we are, the weekend before Memorial Day. And before you know it, summer's going to be here, 4th of July. Then comes September and Labor Day. 
Don't get me wrong, I'm not rushing the year, but that's just how quickly we're moving. And if you don't get in the flow, you know what? You're going to be left behind because time is moving. And it makes me ask you the question, which I haven't given you a question in maybe about a week. No, I don't think I gave you a question last week, or I probably did. But anyway, since you know I'm, I like asking you guys questions, get you thinking early on a Sunday, get your brain juices flowing. Are we making the most of the time that we have allotted to us? Now, each of us is given an appointed time, and no man knows the hour of his return. And since we are all uncertain of when Jesus will return, we all have to make sure that we are ready and prepared, right? Because that's exactly what the Lord is doing. From the time I've started this show, God has been preparing us on this journey to not only learn about ourselves and to know what tools we needed to use in order to understand ourselves and to better ourselves, he also was positioning us for Jesus to return. And this is going to begin my new series that I'm about to start. And, you know, let me just make a little note to you guys. I mean, I just made it to myself the other day, but, I, you know, I like to share with you guys. I hadn't realized that when God gives me a message, when he's giving me a message. Now, before he used to give me specific messages, okay, talk about this, talk about this, talk about this. And I guess those were my baby steps. And the whole journey that we take, like I told you, is always a baby step. You take one step and then he gives you something else when he sees that you've mastered the step that he's given you. So he used to give me just specific topic. Talk about this. Now, when he gives it to me, he gives it to me broad. He gives it to me the, he gives me the, the concept of what he wants me to talk about, but he gives me the end of it. And this is where they say, and I always used to wonder, why do they always say God only gives you the end of the picture and he never shows you the beginning? Because he, he gave me the end. He gave me the end of what he wanted me to, to finish with. So when I first got that message in my spirit, I was like, oh, he wants me to talk about this. But then once I started going into that to study, to find the information to give you, then when I had to keep rolling it back, rolling it back, rolling it back, because it was like, you can't start there without telling them this part, this part, this part. So it's just very exciting how, yes, God will give you the end of the story. And then it's for you to figure out where it begins and the road you got to take to get there to the end. So this is going to begin a new series called Waiting for His Return. And of course, you all know I like to begin at the beginning, right? And for those of you who are not familiar with me or my show, you can find my show, What Would Kay Say, on RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. You go to my show page. You can find me on Spotify, on Apple, or any other podcast station that you frequent and you listen to. I'm sure you pull me up. I'm on there. So now, you know I like to go back to the beginning, like I said. I always like to start from the beginning because you have to tell. If you don't give people the basis, they don't know what you're talking about. That's like walking up to somebody and telling them what happened without telling them the backstory. But we're not going, to, we're not going all the way back. We're not going all the way back to Genesis because 
that's not where this story starts. This story starts at the cross. Okay? So today's topic is salvation is more than fire insurance. Now, I'm sure you have all at one time or another heard the expression that when you accept Christ as your Savior and you believe that he died on the cross for your sins, you got saved. But that's not the expression that I'm talking about. I'm talking about meaning it. people would say, oh, you removed yourself from going to hell or the irony, you just pur- purchased fire insurance. And I'm sure you've probably even heard some pastors say, you know, people just want to get saved so they could just purchase fire insurance. Fire insurance meaning not having to go to hell to burn, which we all know that is a very real place, but we're not talking about that today. So when Jesus gave his life on the cross, it was to connect mankind back to the Father due to the sinful acts that were committed by Adam and Eve in the garden back in Genesis. And, you know, we talked about that. So now here we are, New Testament time. And the first book, a little trivia for you, the first book of the New Testament was written 40 years after the death of Jesus. And that number 40 is significant because, you know, it's, it shows itself in many different parts of the Bible. And we're going to do a show about numbers as well, what the numbers mean in the Bible and why they are so important. But let's continue. So Jesus died on the cross, shedding his blood for the remission of our sins. He became the sacrificial lamb needed for the atonement, right? And, but let me tell you something. If you weren't aware, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for everyone in the entire world. Living, dead, and those not yet born. All have been given the gift of salvation. Now, I know there's probably something for you guys, you're trying to wrap your head around it. But yes, everyone, everyone at this moment right now, as I speak, has the gift of salvation. But here's the thing. Everyone is saved, but not everyone is going to heaven. And let me tell you why. Because in order to get into heaven, you have to accept the gift of salvation. And see, that all goes back to our free will and our freedom of choice, like I like to call it. If you don't choose to accept the fact and believe the fact that Jesus was the sacrificial lamb that could connect you back to the Father, then you didn't accept the gift of salvation. Not saying that the gift is not there. You didn't take the gift. And there's some religions that don't believe that that they needed to go through a man. They say a man, not God's son, because they don't recognize him as being the son of. 
So they don't feel they have to have that connection. They feel they could just go straight on their own. But I'm not here to argue who's right and who's wrong. That's not my point. I'm here to speak what I believe and just state the facts of what the Bible says. So Jesus died for everyone. Everyone is saved, but you're not until you accept the gift. So now, once you know all you have to do is believe and you're saved, this is where the most important part of the journey starts. But many Christians stop there. They stop. They think that their journey was to get to salvation And then once they're there, they're done. That's what a lot of the mindset is. Like their entire life, they've been working towards getting to salvation. And oh, once I'm saved, I'm good. They are satisfied with just being believers and knowing that they're not going to go to hell. They're satisfied with that. But let me tell you. In order to achieve spiritual maturity and to understand what your purpose is here on earth, you must continue to grow. And that's what we've been doing on this journey. And I'm sure that's why he took us from where he took us when he started the show, how he started us with building character, having habits, getting us to understand our own human nature to make sense of it. So then now you can now comprehend what it is I'm talking to you about when I say to you, you have to mature in Christ. Whereas Jesus told Nicodemus in the book of John, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, chapter three and three, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Upon hearing this, Nicodemus asked, how can this be? And then Jesus replied in verse five, answering, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, this rebirth that Jesus was talking about, he was trying to explain to Nicodemus that one has to be born of the spirit and being born of the spirit. It's like. For example, taking a new baby, they must learn to mature in the kingdom, spiritually, right? It's like you become a babe. And when you think of a newborn baby, they have to learn everything. When they come into the world, they know they know what they know in their mind. We don't know what they know, but they, but they don't know how to sit up. They don't know how to walk. They don't know how to talk. They don't know how to maneuver through the world, make money deals, get a job, go to school, cook. They don't know any of that in order to survive. So just as a baby is born into the world and it has to be taught and it has to mature to get to the next stages, that's what we are when we come into the kingdom after being saved. We too much must learn how to sit up, Walk, stand still, maneuver through the kingdom. And here is where Paul stated in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 to 3. 
And I, brethren, could not talk to you as the spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, you are not Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? We have many who have accepted Christ. But if you think about it, they are still behaving carnal, meaning they're living for the world. And just think about it. If you haven't given up the things of the world and surrendered to learning the things of the Lord, you still might have that carnal nature within you, even though you accepted Christ as being your savior. Now ponder on that for a minute. And I know most of us, like Nicodemus, find it hard to comprehend what is expected of us. When we accept the gift of salvation, because... Let me see, how could I put this? When we accept the gift of salvation, at some point, we have to, if you're going, if you're not just going through the motions and you really want to live your life as Christ did, you have to study to understand what is written in the scriptures for yourself. And you can't always just rely on what you hear on Sunday or Wednesdays from the pastor or from your Bible study. Yes, that helps you, but you still have to do it on your own to study. And the word even tells us that if we go to 2 Timothy 2. 15, and now I'm reading from the Amplified Version because I want you to get a clear understanding of what God was saying about that. Well, Paul was actually saying this to Timothy. Study and do your best to present yourself to God approved, a workman tested by trial who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. But avoid all irreverent, irreverent babble and godless chatter with its profane, empty words, for it will lead to further ungodliness. So now what Paul was telling Timothy when he wrote him in that letter, that gossip, backbiting, bickering, all that stuff is a waste of time. And if you think about it, If you're not careful, and you know we did a show about your words and the power of the tongue. If you're not careful, we can all get caught up in this on a daily basis. Just by saying, hi, how you doing? If you say, hi, how you doing to the wrong person, and I don't mean the wrong person like you shouldn't speak to people. But when I say the wrong person, someone who is not knowledgeable in how words can affect everyday living, you can stand there just for five minutes being hospitable, being cordial, just catching up with a neighbor. And so many things can transpire just in that one conversation. So the most important thing 
is we have to understand what the word is telling us when it says study to show yourself approved. Because when you study the word for yourself, then it gets into you. You can meditate on it. And that's how it transforms how you even interact with other people. Also, there's going to come a time, and this is most important, this is something that we really have to keep our mind on. There's going to come a time where there's not going to be a written word. Like if you realize right now with the use of technology, when we used to go to church, you used to walk with your Bible. Everyone used to walk with their Bible. Oh, do you have your Bible? Or if you didn't have one, you prayed that the church that you went to had them in the pews, in the back of the chair so you could pick it up. So when they were reading a Bible verse, you can open to it and follow along with the with the pastor, minister. But now, most people have their tablets, they have their cell phones, they're looking at their Bibles on their devices. And there's going to be, there's going to come a time where even that is not going to be accessible to us. And it's written in Joshua 1 and 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So God even told Joshua back then, you need to study this word because he was telling him. You might not have you might not have the scrolls with you all the time, but you need to know what it is that I said. So when you encounter something, you know whether it's the truth or not. God had told Joseph after jo, excuse me, God told Joshua after Moses has passed away. This is what he told him because he knew that Joshua felt that because Moses had passed away, he now had to usher the people into this promised land that God had given to them. And he knew he had to complete the mission, but he also had to remember everything that was, he couldn't just go by what Moses had told him God said. He needed to know for himself reading it because Moses was reading it as well. So you, if he just, like the pastor, when they're reading it and they're giving it to you, you can't just take what they say. Yeah, you take what they say, but you need to be able to read it for yourself and get it inside yourself as well. And I believe that many of us aren't growing in our faith because we're not reading it for ourselves. You can't have a God experience and understand a God experience unless you read it to understand what he's saying to you, because that's the way he speaks to you. He can speak to you through other people. Yes, he can speak to you just to yourself. Yes. But when you open that book and you read and your circumstance is right there on the page, that's telling you what's happening. And it might not be that Sunday the pastor's talking about your circumstance because he's talking about something else. Not that you can't get an understanding from the circumstance he's talking about, but if it's not pertaining to you and God wants you to know what's happening in your life right now, you need to read the word. And I believe that for too many years, those that were on the pulpit anointed of the Lord 
Some were called, some weren't. They went on their own. But either way, they withheld from the people the important things that the church needed to know. And they did it because when you withhold information, it keeps you having a certain amount of control over people. So you weren't, they weren't giving them the complete story. They were giving them the story, but not the complete story. And they weren't giving them the story how it could definitely pertain to their life at that moment. Well, let me tell you, we all have to give an account for our own actions. John 3.18 tells us, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he does not believe, he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. So this is our time to grow up. We have to understand that we were created for a greater purpose than just living and complaining and walking around on earth. Right? Romans 14, 7 and 8 tells us, For none of us lives to himself. No one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Hello, he's the creator of all things. So whether you do what's right or whether you do what's wrong, you still belong to him. Just like if you have children, if you have two kids and one is a perfect child and one is a pain, they're still yours. They're still yours. And this is what they were saying. This is what... This is what Paul was telling to the Romans. So you have to make the choice. And when you make the choice of salvation, you don't just sit in it. You move on and you grow. Because in the end, in the end, when we move down, still in Romans 14, 11 to 12, this sums it all up. As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. So if we're going to give an account, let's make sure that the account that we give is the correct one. Not one that, yeah, we got saved, but we were just acting like, okay, we have arrived and we're good. We didn't go around as I tell you, my sister loves to use playing church, playing church. And whenever she used to say that to me, I used to be like, I don't know if it's exactly that they're playing church because I couldn't get a clear understanding. I knew what she was talking about, but I couldn't break it down as to why it appeared that they were playing church. But now, since God has given me this, I understand. I understand. These people 
they don't see themselves as playing church. They see themselves as really being a part of the church because I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I know I've been saved. I believe. And it ends there. So to them, when they go into the church and they're singing and they're doing their women's auxiliary and they're doing all the men's programs and they're doing all the missionary, they feel that that's what they're supposed to do. Yes, you can do all those things. I'm not saying you can't do all those things. You can do all those things. But at the end of the day, when God talks to you and you stand before him in judgment, he's going to say, okay, you was on the woman's auxiliary, but uh, what happened to the part of the book that I told you about that pertained to when you were coming to me, talking to me about this, that, and the other? Make sure you know what it is you're supposed to know. Right? And let's be the one who actually ran the race without ceasing. And when Paul said run the race without ceasing, when you're running a race, you're running. When they start that marathon in Staten Island going to Central Park, they keep running till they get to the end. They don't stop and say, okay, next week I'll come back and I'll finish it. Although we have that, we have that option to do that because our race is not as short as that marathon. But then again, How do we know? Because like I said, remember I started out, no man knows how much time we've been appointed. So we don't know how short our race is. It could be a marathon. It could be a half marathon. It could be a little sprint. We don't know. All we do know is that we need to keep moving to become more like Christ every day. And with that, I think it's time for us to take a music break. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, What Brooklyn Sounds Like. I was buried beneath my rebellion. Lost without hope of redemption Blind in my need for a savior Oh, but God Crushed by the weight of my failure Living the lie I created Digging my grave without knowing Oh, but Testimony, oh, but 
says you have turned to life from ashes lifted from death risen with him now I stand in confidence I know Be more like, more like you. 
forgiven. I am changed by your spirit. Peace, joy, love that you're given. I am changed by your spirit. Peace, joy, love that you're given. I am changed by your spirit. Peace, joy, love that you're given. I am changed by your spirit. Standing. Oh, this is how you 
Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is now time for the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. And I have a lot of things to talk about today, so I am so happy that I'm surrounded, okay? Let's start out with, let's start, we know we start out light, then we build up, right? Let's start light. This is another question I have to you. Is it okay for a priest, a minister, a bishop, any man or woman of the cloth to deny someone communion? Now, the first time I heard that, I was like, what? How are they saying you can't take communion? But now, the other day, I heard that Nancy Pelosi, because of her stand for pro-life, pro-choice, pro-something, against, she stands for Roe v. Wade. The Archbishop of San Francisco said that he's denying her communion. Now, if I remember correctly, now someone can correct me if I'm wrong, you can call in, the number is 718-673- Eight two zero one. Call in number is seven one eight six seven three eight two zero one. I thought that according to the Bible, it was one's own discretion whether they felt they were worthy of taking communion. Because it says, you know, if you partake of communion unworthily, you're bringing damnation unto yourself. But that was always the individual's choice. So how is he going to say, well, because that's your belief, I'm not giving it to you. When since did, when did, when did man become appointed as to who could sit at the communal table? That was just one, one of my questions. Because when I heard that, and when I hear that, and when I hear... People, you know, when I hear, oh, no, this one's they're banned from taking communion. I'm like, who are you to say who's banned from doing anything when it comes to God? Who who gives the final authority that can ban someone from doing something pertaining to the Lord? Moving on from that topic. We're going on to a topic that I really don't like to talk about, but it's one that I have to talk about because it's not going anywhere. Of course, you know I'm talking about discrimination. Pearl River, Pearl River was playing a school from Nyack. The Pearl River School was playing a school from Nyack, and they were taunting the players, the black players. It was a basketball game. Whenever they got to the goal line to shoot, goal line, you hear me? The foul line. I'm mixing basketball and football because I think it happened at one of their football games as well. But definitely I know it happened at a basketball game. When they got to the foul line to shoot the ball, they were making monkey noises. They were making monkey noises at all the black players. And it happened again at another meet that they had with, and that belie- I believe that one was a football game that they were using racial slurs or 
things of that nature. When it was brought to the attention of the Pearl River School Board, they were saying, oh, it's just an isolated incident. You know, those boys have been reprimanded. You know, the usual sweeping under the rug. Then we have a mayor of Clark County in New Jersey caught on an open mic using the N-word towards black people and making derogatory, derogatory statements against women. And now everybody's called for his resignation. And he claims that since he's made that mistake, he's learned from his mistakes. So he's not going to resign. Then we have, and our hearts go out to all the people in Buffalo. Just a week ago, a gunman went to a store, <clears throat> a top supermarket, and started just shooting people because they were black. And he actually traveled there to shoot them because they were black. Had on the body armor, extra ammunition, a manifesto he wrote, I guess complaining. And he actually invited people to watch it on video. So now my question is, why is all this still being looked at as if, oh, it's no big deal, or oh, it's just an isolated incident. These are not isolated incidences. They're happening because of the mindset. No, they're not. They don't know each other. The mayor from Clark County doesn't know the players in Pearl River, and they don't know the Buffalo shooter. But they all have the same mind. They all have a like mind. That's where the problem comes in. And I find it hard to believe that if this is something that you've believed your entire life, how you don't know what's wrong? How do you not know? Are you living in a bubble? Is everything that's happening around you outside in the world cartoon? That that's not the real world, but where you live is the real world. Where, where does it come where people don't understand that they don't know what they're doing is wrong? Now, I can't tell you. I'm saying this to you, but I can't tell you that you can't not like somebody of a, a certain race, color, ethnicity, religion. I can't tell you that you can't like them. You cannot like them if you don't want to like them. But you don't have the right to perpetrate anything against them. See, that's see that's where you have to draw the line. Because you could not like whatever you don't want to like. I can't force you to like anybody. That's between you and your maker. But what you can't do is go around and take out what you don't like on other people. 
That's what you can't do. Now, you could sit in your room and you could yell at the walls all day, yell at your cat, kick your dog. I don't care what you do in your own private space. But when you get outside, what you can't do is put it on other people. And see, this is where they feel so comfortable in doing this. Oh, well, I don't like you. Well, I could just say whatever I want to you. No, you can't. You can't. And for everyone to act as though it's okay for you to be able to say that, wanting to quote freedom of speech, no. Then we have, oh, to top off the story, we have in Africa a Chinese nationalist was caught on tape flogging two workers that he said he believed stole something from his factory. He tied them to a tree and he was flogging them because he said he believed they stole something. My, here's my question. You feel that they stole something from your company. Now, he has a mining company in Africa. He's mining in Africa. So he's taking the minerals out of Africa. And the Africans, he's accusing the Africans that he has working to take this, these materials out of the ground in Africa. He accuses them of stealing. I want you to think about that for a minute. And here it is, the place Now, here's where it's classic, and this is where you see God in the mist, and this is what we have to pay so much attention to. The city that it happened in was called Golgotha. And now, from anyone, my Bible scholars out there that know what Golgotha is, Golgotha is a city in Jerusalem, which we know, or some of other the you you know average person would know as being called Calvary where Jesus was crucified now tell me god is not making his statement about him coming back when he has certain things happening in the same place with the same a similar name and everything going on let me tell you something god is watching everything that we're doing And let me tell you something, America too, the rest of the world is watching what you're doing too. So everything that you sweep under the rug, everything that you feel is okay, everything that you allow to continue to take place and not address it head on, and I'm not talking about standing up, making a speech, oh, it's wrong, we shouldn't, no. I'm talking about real serious actions to stop the things that are happening because you know the groups that are brooding here, that are multiplying and doing what you know how to infiltrate groups when you want to you've done it before how come you can't infiltrate these groups oh i know why because then to you they're not a problem because they kind of carry out the agenda you're trying to carry out anyway but that's another story for another talk show but what i'm saying to say with all this that the world is watching america so whatever america does the rest of the world feels that they can do as well Because, well, if America is doing it, we can do it. But God is watching everybody, America and all the other countries. So if you want to continue, go ahead. Because, see, he's watching. 
and judgment is going to come. It might seem slow to others, but when it comes down, it's going to come down. But on a happy note, I'd like to congratulate the four West Point cadets who are now Rhodes Scholars. All of them are women, and we hope that they are the future of the generation that can carry on what needs to be done and properly executed. And with that, that ends op-ed. I want to continue with our word of the month, which is discord, disagreement between people. Our promise for this week comes from Romans 14 to 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I want everyone to have a wonderful Sunday. I want everyone to enjoy this beautiful weather because it feels like summer is upon us as we speak. And I want to say a shout out to my godson who came and visited me yesterday, made my day, made my weekend. I was just so happy to see him. I haven't seen him in so long. So shout out to him and blessings shower him and his mom as they're traveling back home to the DMV area. Safe travels. And until God brings us you, my beautiful people, and me back together again next week. Know that COVID is still out there. Wear your mask, wash your hands, social distance. Be careful of the monkeypox. There's a lot of things that's out there, but we'll talk about that again in another show. And until God brings us back together again next week, peace. The song of the redeemed Rising from the African plain It's the song of the forgiven Drowning out the Amazon rain The song of Asian believers Filled with God's holy fire Every tribe, every tongue, every nation A love song born of a grateful choir It's all God's children singing To the faithful gathered underground Of all the songs sung from the dawn of creation